Hello, good people of New Jersey and other Devils fans listening around the world. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast brought to you by All About the Jersey with your hosts, me, Dan Roselle, and John Fisher. Say hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. So that's three hello Johns in a row. Clearly you're paying attention. And that all being said, I hope that everyone was paying attention to this last couple games of Devils Hockey as we had some, I would describe it as frustrating results followed by a hard-fought win against the Sabres uh, this afternoon. We're recording just after the game on Sunday as the Devils skated to a 5-3 win, taking three out of four points this weekend between the two matinee games in Buffalo. And so there's a lot of similarities between uh, the two games that were played yesterday and today, and also between the second Philadelphia Flyers game and the first one that the Devils played, in which they stayed with them for two periods, and one could even say outplayed them for two periods. Then uh, the floodgates opened in the third, as the Devils still kind of have to figure out their third period issues. But let's go back to that game on Thursday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. The Devils were coming off a loss in which they gave up two power play goals in the third period to basically take themselves out of it. No, they gave them they gave up two power play goals in succession, one in the first oh, and early in the second. Okay. But they did give up two in the third period right. that put the game out of doubt, and that was actually in a way worse because. One involved a comedy of errors around mm-hmm. the net that had Wedgwood flat on his stomach like a turtle, and Nolan Patrick had the easiest shot in his life. And then the second goal was Ty Smith um, coughing up the puck yep. uh, to cap off his terrible game that led to an easy score for Joel Farabee. But that was Tuesday. Yeah. Thursday was better, even though the result was yeah. the same. <laughs> Thursday, the Devils pretty much took it to Philly the first two periods. I, I think. There was no doubt as to who the better team was on the ice for those two periods. And the problem was and continues to be that the Devils had plenty of really great A opportunities that they couldn't capitalize on and also hit a bunch of posts and also got themselves into penalty trouble. Well, the penalty trouble wasn't as bad on Thursday night. In fact, one of the ongoing storylines for this season is that in addition to teams playing each other in consecutive games to save on travel and to keep things as local as possible. Uh, Referee crews are also doing the same thing. So the ref crew from Tuesday's game did this game as well. I have a feeling somebody talked to them in between Tuesday and Thursday to go, what do you mean Philly only got one call against them when, you know, we have HD cameras and even potato-based cameras (laughs) that showed Severson Stick getting hold at least three times in the third period of that game. Um, So the Devils did get more power plays than the Flyers did. Of course, the Devils, did they do anything with them? No. (laughs) So, you know, special teams in general remains to be a concern. However, the penalty kill was perfect against the Flyers. They gave up no shots. Mm -hmm. You can't ask for anything better than that. Unfortunately, they could not get shots, plural, past Carter Hart that day. Uh, Damon Severson ripped one in off the post, which was very Mm -hmm. nice. And then Carter Hart went into the mode of play that gets Flyer fans excited believe that their goaltender is, you know, going to be the final, final long-term answer that they've been looking for in net for seemingly the last 30 years before they run him out of town in three seasons. Um, no, but seriously, Carter, Carter Hart did play a very good game against the Devils team that basically just beat the Flyers pillar to pose for two periods, outshot him 24 to eight. That That is not a misbeak. Yeah. That's a three to one ratio. <laughs> so don't tell me the defense had a bad game because <laughs> They shut Philly down to eight shots. And then the third period began. The Flyers went on a heater, scored a goal, scored another goal, and 
the Devils couldn't solve hard again. So that was game 3-1. And uh, again, it was one of those where, you know, the effort was so good for the first couple of periods. And then something just happened in the third where they let one up, they let another one up. And this team is very different than last year's team because there's some, like, some part of my brain is like, listen, they're down a couple, but... I know that they can score, and they had some issues scoring going into the games before that, and against Philly, you know, it's never easy to score goals, but it's the kind of thing where you never feel like effort-wise they're out of it. They don't look downtrodden or anything like that. They still try to create opportunities, and uh, that's where the first, you know, semblance of this line of Hughes, Janssen, and Bratt came together, so... They're the ones I particularly want to talk about because they've had an excellent three games as a unit together. Janssen has finally found the, you know, the gear that had Devils fans excited when they first, when the Devils first traded away Joey Anderson to get him. And he has been, you know, lights out the last couple of games. Him, Hughes, and Bratt absolutely dominate on the puck. They are all over the place on the ice. Hughes is making plays. He's seeing the ice well. And, uh, you know, them in the fourth line have really been carrying the Devils these last few games. But let's talk about the Saturday matinee in Buffalo first. This was another example of a extremely frustrating game, one would say. But somehow the Devils managed to get a point out of it. And I think they deserved at least a point, maybe more. But it was tenuous as to whether or not they would actually get one. Right. I mean, early on, it looked like, you know, a standard road game, not a lot, not a whole lot of shots. Buffalo kind of had an edge and then they didn't. The Devils did have a five on three for the first time this season. And you're going to hear this yet again. The power play here faltered. Now, they did kind of redeem themselves later in this game. I'll, I'll give them that. But five on three, you're expected to get some offense going. Minutes. Did they get a lot of offense going? They did Dan? not. That's a failure. That's an absolute that's, failure. That's failure. Like seeing that took all of the steam out of the game for them. Like they just had no momentum after that point moving forward. And that's when Buffalo was able to kind of uh, retilt the ice back because the Devils were in control for a while. And the interesting thing about this game, which I appreciated a lot, was uh, it was tied 1-1 going into the third period, I believe. Um and the under was five and a half goals uh, going into the third. And that's a wager you can make. And I, I was talking to my brother. I said, this is this is definitely going over. And lo and behold, the Devils and Sabres decided to have just a shootout in the third period before the actual shootout that they'd have later and exchange two goals each way. Right. But let's take it back a little a little bit here. The second period was an odd one in the sense that, you know, Buffalo took, um, you know, they had two power plays, but the Devils managed to do well. And then Buffalo started charging back. Stahl gets the first goal of the game. Then the Devils, of course, fail on a power play. Try again. Get another power play. And then surprise, surprise, Dan, they scored a power play. Yeah. Goal. It was Ty Smith scores from distance. It was a great on shot, an actual too. Pass from, PK, from an actual pass by P.K. Subban, not a wind-up slapper that nobody in the world will ever buy because he will pass the puck. And lo and behold... He, he just made a simple pass and it worked. Yeah, Smith saw the lane and he got the puck through the lane. And Subban has been doing more of that recently. I mean, uh, you know, looking at charts from today, it seems like he wasn't taking too many shots, but he was setting up a lot of other people's shots. So maybe yes. something was said to him where, you know, that wind-up slapper, it might look nice aesthetically from, uh, 
you know, NHL 2003 standpoint, but it's not really purposeful in getting the puck towards the net the way we want it. Why not give it to someone who's seeing that lane a little more in Ty Smith, who is tied for the lead in rookie points right now. Uh, actually, I believe he might be leading it among rookie defensemen, certainly. Um, with Yeah, as of this recording, he's just ahead of Kaprizov, but he plays tonight, mm-hmm. so... By the time this goes up, you know, it may be old news. But still a big uh, thing that Hughes and Smith both have, what, eight points now? Um, and maybe Hughes didn't get credit for a point today. No, he didn't. We'll talk about that in a minute here because there's more to this yeah. game. So you, we mentioned the importance of putting Janssen on with Hughes and Bratt and how that seemed to elevate Janssen's game. Well, it gets a reward mm-hmm. with an early goal, a banger of a goal. Banger alert, Dan. Banger yeah, alert. A snipe. Far, <laughs> far down. Corner down over Olmark's shoulder. It's 2-1 early to New Jersey. That looks great until Tobias Reeder scores less than a minute later yeah. to make it 2-2. And then controversy happens. So let's take another step back, Dan. So prior to the go-ahead goal for the Flyers on Thursday, Jack Hughes was tripped. <laughs> And nobody caught that, <laughs> even though it was a clear stick to the skates. And nine times out of ten, that's called for tripping. But apparently, you know, the big deal, the man with the 14 extra pounds of muscle, he doesn't get the star calls yet. He certainly didn't get the star call that Taylor Hall got in the third period of this Buffalo game on Saturday, where Ty Smith was assessed for hooking. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I didn't see this one fully live, Dan, but I did catch, you know, the clips, the gifs, the gifs, if you will. Yeah. I don't buy that there was a hook on that that's play. That's because there wasn't. <laughs> that would expl- that's the, you know, sometimes Occam's razor is correct. Yeah. There wasn't a hook because there wasn't a yeah, hook. Yeah, no, straight up, there was there was no hook. He didn't even touch his hands, but he was called for it. And of course, yep. of course, Buffalo scores. Of course. Victor Olofsson finishes the drill. It's now three to two. But fortunately, Dan, there was a hero. <laughs> An unlikely Yeah, hero. getting his first NHL goal of his career uh, and prefacing a lot of what we'd see in these next two games, actually. Yanni Kwakanen puts one in at the side of the net um, over Olmark, and the game is tied after a very good shift from that fourth line of McLeod, Bastion, and Kwakanen for that game, and also a, a really remarkable save at the line by Ty Smith to keep the play alive. Absolutely, and Kwakanen... It was a bro- kind of a broken play, the sort of thing that you expect from a quote-unquote fourth line, you know, get the puck in deep, get greasy, you know, talk like Ken Danico and, and all that good stuff. Um, but Kwakanen correctly saw that Allmark was not covering his post at the near post, puts it in off his uh, rib, and uh, it's 3-3, and the Devils held on for dear <laughs> life as Severson took a tripping call yep. within the final two minutes, and that I did see uh, – live and that was uh stressful <laughs> you know even Kent Danica was like just get it yeah. out get it he's out he's yelling at McLeod and... to just get the puck out after he tries to uh shunt it down the ice and the penalty kill was you know really <laughs> like holding on by a hair there but the Devils did manage to get a point and of course the cruel twist of fate dictates that they must hit at least one uh piece of iron in every overtime period and so jack hughes was the volunteer for that sacrifice yesterday as he had a very nice backhand opportunity go off the inside of the post and go out the other way uh and they also hit like three or four posts that game yeah on top of that brett had a clear breakaway that could have won the game but he just kind of 
lost the puck. Yeah, I would call this like early oh, poor, poor season Brett. jitters for Brett, certainly. There, there's a lot of times yeah. where he was making nice plays and he broke through and drew the simultaneous two penalties on the one play that we were talking about with the um, five on three. However, yeah, Stalin. Uh, go ahead. Well, it was Stalin Mentor who took the calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm agreeing. Oh, with yeah, you. yeah. No, and then like. You know, that side of him was visible, but there are also some moments where you can tell, you know, he hasn't played in a competitive game for a while. Puck's hopping over his stick when it shouldn't. He's kind of thinking before he's acting. And that's all stuff that he'll iron out because otherwise the results of having him back have been wonderful. Right. But you know what wasn't wonderful, Dan? Shootout. Shootout. Um, To be fair, to be, I I don't mind the shootout. I like the Uh shootout. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of it, but I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of uh, Lindy Ruff's decisions here. Now, Jack Eichel scores on a perfect shot. Let's be mm. real. That shot was not going to be stopped by anybody. You could have put Dominic Hasek, you know, stapled next to Patrick Waugh, stapled next to Martin Bredor, and Eichel probably scores on that shot mm-hmm. anyway. Um, you know, Brat makes a great move, but Allmark gets his pad out at the end. Fine. Gusev is then sent out, and and keep in mind, one of the themes for this month of game so far is that Gusev has been a bad hockey player for the Devils. But I can defend Gusev being in the shootout because last season he was like six for eight. Um, I know he had an attempt against Boston that didn't go well, so he was six for nine. He was six for ten going into the shot yesterday. Oh, okay. I st- okay, I stand corrected. He was six for nine going to six to nine. General general rule of thumb is if you got somebody who's converting shootouts at over 33%, you put him in the shootout yes. lineup. You know, because rule of thumb is breakaways are a 33% uh, shooting percentage. So I can defend his usage there. What I can't defend, Dan, is the decision to make Kyle Palmieri in a must-score situation because Kyle Palmieri has never been that great of a shootout nope. taker, Dan. And I understand Zajac was unavailable since he entered the COVID protocol prior to the Buffalo game. But you can't convince me that Jack Hughes should absolutely be a shootout option ahead of Kyle Palmieri. Even if Jack Hughes had zero goals this season, I would make that call. Yeah, there's a, you know, I, I think some part of Palmieri's that. Palmieri's not a breakaway artist. He's not a guy with hands. He's a guy that just hammers heavy shots when he's in space and kills you on one-timers. That's, shootouts are not his thing. And yet, here he is. I, I think the idea the was to, like, kind of get him going. I think, you know, when you're losing in the shootout, like, that's not the time to try and get Palmieri going. But I think the logic right. behind it was he hasn't scored a goal yet this year. Maybe if we get one, we'll open the floodgates in other uh, departments right. of play. And it was just not a good idea because none of the shootout attempts were particularly dangerous or inspired by the Devils. And, you know, Wedgwood did what he can do. Yeah, I mean, Wedgwood got bailed out by the post on one, but, you know... And nevertheless, it's a, it's a point. It's a shootout loss. It is what it mm-hmm. is. And then we get a very busy set of news prior to today's yes. game against Buffalo. Yes. Uh, Palmieri enters the COVID list. Yep. So does as well. Votnin. Votnin entered it, but that's a good yep. thing because it means he's now in the country. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he enters it on the positive keep side. In mind, keep it in mind, he got signed before Brock yep. did. <laughs> so I guess the Finnish embassy decided we're just going to take our time mm-hmm. here to get that visa going. Um, nevertheless, but um, on top of that, Eric Comrie, who the Devils picked up on waivers, a man with a notoriously horrendous stat line in his six NHL games <laughs> in his career and a similarly ugly stat line in the AHL, he gets his first start, mm-hmm. his first game since mid-December of 2019. 
And I understand the pandemic ended last season early, but the fact that this guy didn't see a single minute of ice time in the NHL for two and a half months of play should tell you that this was going to be a bit concerning against the likes of Hall, Eichel, Olofsson, um, Rasmus Ristolainen, who apparently is having the season of a lifetime so far, as we saw today in Sunday. So you have no Palmieri, you have no Zajac, on top of not having Heischer, and you definitely don't have Atnan because, you know, he's not available. So the Devils bring in from the taxi squad. They send down Merkley. He played on Saturday. They bring in Mikhail Maltsev for his NHL debut. The return of Jesper Bokvist, and surprisingly, neither of those centers lined up at center. Yeah. There's some interesting configurations today, but it's hard to argue against them since, for the most part, you know, every line had some nice opportunities throughout the game at some point oh, today. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, and this is this is where I'm getting to the positive mm-hmm. side. The Devils played a great game mm-hmm. today. They really did in five-on-five. Five. <laughs> I mean, let me emphasize, in five-on-five, five, they played a great game What do you today. mean? It was 3-3 three, three late in the third period, and you're telling me that in five-on-five, five, the Devils were playing well? How could this possibly be that the game was yeah. tied despite the Devils playing a very good game in five-on-five? Hmm. I wonder what could be the issue. Well, those two little oh, things there. that say PPG next to the goals allowed kind of indicate a lot of the struggles that the Devils have been facing, especially with Zajac on the COVID list. Now, I'd say Palmieri, too, because he's been playing the penalty kill, but he hasn't been especially t- good at it. No, well, they took they rough finally ripped him off of it. Uh, I want to say in the first game against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it was like, this isn't working. Get out of here. Um yeah, well, we'll talk about the bad things first. Um, yeah, the Devils the Devils concede a power play goal shortly after conceding the first goal to Buffalo. So the Devils were up 2-0 and was pretty much in control of the second mm. period until Nikita Gusev blows a tire in the neutral zone. Um, it's rimmed around by... Goodness, I'm trying to get the guy's name here. Brendan Mont... Uh, no, not Montour. That was... I'm sorry. That was yesterday's <laughs> game. I apologize. Uh, it gets rimmed around by Jake McCabe. Yep. Ristolainen just heaves a shot on it, and Curtis Lazar just gets a touch on it. And at 14-11, Comrie's shutout was broken, which in of itself is an impressive feat because we're talking about Eric Comrie here, who is almost as good as Mike Comrie. <laughs> <in that. laughs> um, and then less than a minute later, um, goodness gracious, um, Smith gets a holding call. Mm-hmm. He holds up Reader's arm in the neutral zone. Danico tries to sell it saying, oh, you know, he had to stop a breakaway. And I'm thinking, no, Severson was getting back. It wasn't necessary. And face-off win, pass, shot, scored all in. It's two to two. And so when did that momentum shift start? It started a little bit before that. It started a little bit before Gusa blew a tire. It actually started with the score up 2-0. The Devils on a three-on-one opportunity played beautifully, I would add, between uh, Zaka and Gusev. And the pass back to Zaka. No, oh, Kwakanen and Zaka. Okay. It yes. was beautifully played by the two of them. And Zaka whiffs the open net, but he doesn't just whiff the open net. Like, he whiffs it badly. It, it wasn't like it, it was inches away. Yeah. yeah. He didn't get the right part of his stick on it, and it kind of flubbed meekly towards the side of the net. And from that moment on, Buffalo just came back and, uh, you know, got their opportunities and tied the game up. And. That's extremely demoralizing, but the Devils, and namely Miles Wood, were unconcerned. No, and, and to be fair, 
the fourth line, like we heaped a lot of praise earlier about Janssen and Brat and Hughes, and they had a good game mm-hmm. too. But this game was all about the quote unquote fourth line. I almost have to actually look at the lines briefly here. They're definitely getting uh, like at least third line minutes right now, if not second. Yeah, I, I, because we call them the fourth line because the line we're talking because they actually made a change. Mm-hmm. Like against on Saturday was Quacken and McLeod and Bastion. They put Miles Wood with them, and for whatever reason, this line. They were the second line today. They played just in five on five. They only played 22 fewer seconds than the Hughes mm-hmm. line. And to be fair, they kicked a whole lot of butt on the ice. Like they took Buffalo to school. McLeod scores 20 seconds into the game. Uh, PK Subban, like Wood draws a defender away. The, the, the seas are parted wide open for Moses McLeod <laughs> here. And Subban feeds the, feeds the man, the ambrosia. Yeah. I know I'm mixing my metaphors yeah. here. <laughs> I was going to say, whatever. Yeah, I was maybe I should. Okay, let me fix it here. He fed him the unleavened bread. Okay, that's a little closer to the uh, time period. And McLeod finishes the drill past Carter Hutton. It's one nothing, not even 30 seconds into the game. And then Janssen gets a weird bounce. I thought it went off the 14 extra pounds of muscle of Jack Hughes, um, but it was two nothing. But the fourth line just put in excellent shifts. I mean, Typically, when you're leading in a game, you're going to lose the Corsi battle. You're going to lose the shooting battle because, well, you're leading. The other team is going to turn mm-hmm. it up and, you know, attack more and get opportunities. I mean, they're playing Eric Comrie. You want to put pucks on that. Yeah, Eric this guy Comrie. hasn't played in a long time, nor did he even expect to play in the NHL this year. Exactly. Um, and the fourth line, that we, or the quasi-second line, I should say, Wood, McLeod, and Bastion, they had shifts that nearly turned the Corsi battle around in New Jersey's direction all on their own. Like they had a couple shifts where, and, and Severson, my goodness, had, had an amazing shift with them in the second period where they must have generated like seven shooting attempts in like a minute. It was absolutely remarkable stuff. It was everything but the goal from that mm-hmm. unit. And eventually they got the goal literally at the end of the second period. Buffalo is still knocking on the door looking for the third goal. It's a minor miracle they didn't concede. Time's running out. Quackenden just lofts it ahead for Wood. Wood just turns on the Jets. Shot, rebound, 0.6 seconds left on the clock. It's in the back of the <laughs> net. He, Wood, teach Professor Wood taught all the kids today why you play to the end of the whistle. And what man. an effort. It's 3-2 to two at the end Quackenden's of the poke pass was an insane effort and good vision from him, too. Just having the presence oh, yeah. of mind to keep the play going, seeing the amount of time on the clock. And I think Miles Wood was just going to steam ahead no matter what anyone said or did. But um, it was really like a nice chip pass over the entire Buffalo backline. And Wood made no mistake. And Wood has been unbelievable this year. He's had five goals already and really just controlling play. And it's, you know, looking like no coincidence that he wore the A on his jersey today. Yeah, he definitely earned his A for awesomeness because the good stuff kept coming from this line, Dan. Makeshift breakaways, two-on-ones. I mean, Bastion nearly put in a rebound that Wood created. Then later there was a two-on-one with Bastion and Wood where the pass was just a bit ahead of McLeod. Um, you know, they were crashing the net. In a couple cases, they literally crashed into the net. <laughs> um, unfortunately for the Devils, they decided to shoot themselves in the foot again mm. with special teams. Yep. So early on in the third period, Montour takes a slashing penalty. And the Devils' power play, it wasn't bad per se. But they decided to commit a foul that is easily avoidable. Mm-hmm. And this was by uh, Zaka, Zaka and Janssen, guys who have been in the league for hundreds of games. So they should know this rule. 
Zaka was thrown out of the faceoff, and the rule is that if you get thrown out of the faceoff, a second consecutive foul on the faceoff, like a faceoff violation, will result in a penalty. And that's like a delay a game thing because they don't want you to just keep like delaying the game after an icing or whatever, um, you know, just like throwing guys out of the dot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're limited to two. That's why on the usually when you get thrown out, you typically don't win that faceoff because the other guy knows if I do something anything remotely close to wrong, it's a penalty. Well, Janssen did that. <laughs> and the Devils almost got out of the abbreviated power uh, penalty kill until Olofsson just touch it, you know, similar to Quokken in it uh, and his poke. Olofsson on his knees just pokes it up to the big man wrist-to-wrist alignment screening Comrie. Right? Wrist alignment takes a shot, pounds in his own rebound. It's three to three with plenty of time left. And Buffalo looks rejuvenated from the PPG. Yeah, that's one that Comrie, I mean, listened. He was thrust into a situation that was very unfavorable for every reason, but that's kind of one that you should keep on. Like, he was way too tight to do anything with that puck except push it directly towards your pads again. Yeah, exactly. So it's three to three. So, Dan, how do you how do you turn the energy in a game? You go to your energy, the energy line. Line. You get your quasi-second line out there to give you some more energy, and guess what? They got some opportunities. And then they finally hit pay dirt when Wood threw out a killer pass to the front to McLeod for a quick bang, bang, one timer, sneaks through Hutton's legs, trickles in over the line. It's now four to three, New Jersey. That's right. Michael McLeod, Moses McLeod, Malone McLeod. I can't say fo 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 because he only scored two goals, yeah. Dan. But he got two. He got but... his third of the season. He got his third of the season to get the Devils' foe in the game. And. <laughs> Then it got really interesting. <laughs> it got it got even more interesting. Like there's a, there's a lot only so much intrigue I can handle on any given Devils game, but we're, let's go to the very end when they're defending this one goal lead. I think that's what you're and referring the, to. The personnel. So in this game with Maltsev's debut. Now Maltsev's debut, I, it was okay. You know, not a lot happened, but that's not a bad thing because it also meant not a lot of bad things happened. He only played nine minutes of uh, five-on-five play. And Zaka, with the big miss, he actually had – his line had a poor game. And Sharon Govich had a – actually, he had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned those three, Dan, because those three were out on the ice just as Buffalo was pulling their netminder, Carter Hutton, for six men. So on one side, you got Eichel, Hall, Olofsson, Restaline, and Darlene, and a sixth saber that I can't be, you know, bothered to remember. Maybe it was Skinner. Maybe it was a Poso. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it was important. And out here you got Maltsev, Zaka, Sharangovich. <laughs> and this unit, they didn't score the empty netter, Dan. Well, Zach, well, part of them mm-hmm. did. But they had attempts at the empty net. They got blocked. They got denied. But the important thing is they pushed the play forward. And Maltsev committed one of the uh, most amazing plays I've seen that doesn't get show up on the score sheet. Out of those blocked attempts, Dan, you got the puck, and it's basically a race between Maltsev and Taylor Hall. 2018 Hart Trophy winner Taylor Hall. We know how fast he is. We know how hungry he is. We know he was, you know, chomping at the bit for a score. Maltsev basically goes, ole, wins the puck battle. Hall goes crashing into a heap. Maltsev gets an easy exit and then goes out for a change. And then the Devils, you know, they get pinned back a little bit. And then Zaka wins a puck battle. Wood just grabs the loose puck because that's right. We're defending a one goal lead. And now we got to put Miles Wood out there. To help secure this win, you know, defensive legend Miles Wood here, you know, you put him in a lineup with J. Pound Dolphin, you can't tell the two apart, apparently. <laughs> um, 
Wood just heaves up an arc that it, it didn't even hit the ice when it went into the net. Yeah. Like it hit the net in the air. It's a, it like a swish, like, but hockey version. Yeah, it, he he. I don't know. Maybe he yelled, you know, uh, swish along the way. Maybe he yelled game. Either way, first empty net goal of the season for the Devils. Second goal of the game for Wood. You could qu- say it was another fourth line effort, even though the true fourth line did a lot of hard work on this play. And they successfully defended the lead on the road in a back-to-back against a team that has already proven to be offensively charged and, you know, filled with talent that was, you know, having a good weekend otherwise. So, yeah, there you go. That's how this game ended. You can hear in your voice how strange this experience is where the Devils are defending a late lead and you're describing the personnel with which they're doing it, a.k.a. guys that we never thought we'd get to see in the NHL this early. But not only did we never think we'd get to see them in the NHL, we never thought that they'd hold their own after seeing the first couple of examples. And really, you know, the buy-in makes all the difference. McLeod looks like a completely different player. Wood looks like a completely different player. Hughes might be most improved in the NHL. Um, There's a lot of... There's a lot of things that are happening this season that are so far so good. And again, the Devils are missing major, major personnel here in Heischer and then now Zajac and Palmieri and Blackwood. And there's a lot of players that they were counting on to be here, but it's a great sign that despite those players not being there, they're still finding ways to win games. And not just, you know, even the games they win, they stay in. I think the only game they were never really in was that first loss against the Islanders. I think that was the game where they really never had a shot that game um, by the run of play. And even still, that was a 2-1 game until the third period. So the Devils were very much in it, but not, they were, you know, in it by the score, but not spiritually. I'd say every other game, they at least were, uh, had a legitimate chance to win at some point. Exactly. And as much as we complained in the last episode about the veterans, you know, being the heels of the team in a mm-hmm. sense, the Devils are getting good to great performances in these past three games out of the likes of Wood, McLeod, um, Jesper Brat, which in of itself is impressive since he literally was announced back on the team last Wednesday and Ruff said Thursday morning before the second, you know, the Flyers game that we talked about on this show. Oh, yeah, I'm going to just put him in the lineup right away and decides, oh, I'm going to put him on the first line with Jack Hughes. And it worked. It worked (laughs) so well. And now Janssen looks like an actual contributing NHL player. He finally got off the schneid and gave us two goals. Jack Hughes has so many shot assists that Todd Cordell's graph may need to be expanded out further, (laughs) or maybe he needs a separate graph just for Hughes, uh, just to say, just to keep it fair to the other devils, you know, Hughes, you know, will put the big deal in his own category, but Ty Smith had a great game today. Severson and Kulikov continue to be um, a fantastic group. I know they're not as paired up as often as they were, but you know, those two have been killing it in the run of play. Um, and again, the Devils are getting very good goaltending from unexpected sources of Wedgwood and Comrie and all yeah. this, you know? I mean, I, I know that sounds weird to say since Wedgwood, you know, con- you know, conceded three, four, three and four over the last two games and Comrie got beaten three times. But, you know, Comrie today, for example, he he absolutely robbed Dahlin going post to post. He denied Hall and Eichel some big scores today. Yeah, at the beginning of the and third, this is a he guy- made some crucial, crucial saves. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I don't think has ever had a 90 save percentage game in his life in the NHL. And here he is doing this like, you, he, you know, the the third because let's be real. Aaron Dell was claimed off of waivers to be the team's backup goaltender behind Blackwood, and he's not with the team either. So this is essentially the third and fourth string goalies giving you, you know, quality 
quality performances that you could, if you score some goals, you can win those games. And case in point, they lost only by a shootout to Buffalo yesterday. They really were not out of it uh, against Philadelphia until, you know, the hole was too deep in the third period, late in the third period. And against Buffalo today on Sunday, um, they got the one. So, you know, we're talking about a one, one in one week uh, or section of games, I should say, where it ended very well. And the Devils end the month of January on a high note, ending the month at four, three and two and probably with better performances in five on five than what anybody would have honestly expected. Mm -hmm. And that's another, you know, factor that you just mentioned in years past, or at least the last few, when someone not named Blackwood or for those years, not named Schneider was in goal, they had a very, very difficult time winning. And so far they've lost more than they won with quote unquote backups in the net, but the performances have been much better. Wedgwood has a win. Comrie has a win. There's, you know, all the reason to believe that this team is capable of winning without Blackwood, although he probably does make their lives a lot easier whenever he is back, um, you know, off the COVID protocol list. But uh, that all being said, it's just it's nice to know that there's no game that they go into this year where they won't have a single chance to win. And even when they go down, they'll still keep trying. That's a lot of, you know, they're, yeah. they're not getting down on themselves. They're a young team with a lot to prove, and they're proving a lot of it right here, right now. Exactly. And to be fair, from a fan perspective, yeah, forget the results. I know we talk a lot about analysis and what it means to be a good team and all that. But purely from a fan perspective, this is what you want to see. Um, it's actually telling that we're talking about this about a, after a game against Buffalo, because a lot of Buffalo fans have told me this is kind of like what Buffalo fans expect out of their teams in the city, you know, the Sabres and the Bills, which is it's not so much that we want you to win championships. I mean, of course, you want to win championships, but if you go out there, you put in a full effort for the full game, you try your hardest, you make it as difficult as possible to the other team, you give your team, you give your fans something to hope for, something to work towards, something to go, you know what, it didn't work out today, but at least I could see how it could happen the next time or, you know, better luck next time in, in another case. Like, again, that you know, multiple post game against the Flyers on last Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's just it. It's like compare this to the previous seasons under John Hines, where, you know, especially in the last two seasons where, you know, the Devils would, you know, get outshot by a two to one ratio every other game. And, you know, they just look absolutely, um, for lack of a better word, they look kind of look like snails out there, despite having, you know, youth and speed on their size. They, they just do everything possible to, uh, make five on five to be a total chore. And, you know, basically, as you say, rely on good goaltending or good breaks to win games At, now it's kind of the opposite here where the performances and, and the processes are a lot stronger. And once you fix the special teams and once you get Blackwood back and he's performing to, you know, his level, um, you're going to see a really damn good spoiler in the New Jersey devils. Yeah. I, this... They may still finish last in this yeah, division, but, but this is what we want. They're not going to, Exactly. This is going to be a far easier team to watch. It, it, to, I guess you said it even better earlier that as opposed to losing a game 3-1 to the Flyers where that could have happened last year, but it wouldn't have went the way it did. It would have been like the Flyers dominated the game. It was just a 3-1 game. Let's forget it never happened and move on with our lives. No, we're frustrated about it because the Devils could have won that game. Yeah. You know, they played well. And, and, and even after that loss, it's like it sucks, but at least we know they played well against a good team like the Flyers. If they can perform like that in, in Buffalo, and to a degree they kind of did, especially today in the second game, um, it's enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, oh my, you know, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time watching this team and writing. About I would rather it. have a team that's 
finding its way in five on five. And after today's game, the Devils are squarely in the middle of the pack of the league uh, in terms of their five on five percentages. They're somewhere around like 13th or 14th. And I would rather see a team that does that because that's the more compensative play and is terrible on the special teams than the opposite, which is what we've had from the Devils for a few seasons, um, where their special teams have been uh, okay to good and their five on five play has been abysmal. Focus on the state exactly. of the game where you find yourself more commonly and it's enjoyable to watch them actually cycle the puck and set up plays and get things towards the net where it looks like they're playing like a real hockey team. And I'm still kind of shell-shocked about the surprise of all of it, but we're hoping it stays going against the next team that the Devils will face between this episode and our next one. That's just going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday and Thursday, both games happening in Pittsburgh. Now, there's a lot of turmoil happening around Pittsburgh right now. Their GM just stepped down. Um, they have... Yeah, you know, that's surprising. Yeah, which was weird, and we'll talk about the implications for the Devils maybe some other time, because there's some rumors floating around that I don't think can possibly be substantial but that all being said um we'll see how they perform against the penguins who have gotten off to a good start but not exactly you know the blazing start everyone would expect they had a couple of close finishes recently too so maybe the devils can do something against them and continue this road trip uh, which is probably going to be one of the longer ones they do this year between buffalo and pittsburgh yeah and they'll they'll finally be able to return home on saturday um, so, you know, the trip is going to end in Western Pennsylvania and it looks like, because as we're recording this, you know, new Northern New Jersey is in the wake of getting a snowstorm. It looks like the New Jersey devils will be able to avoid that one. Um, Pittsburgh's in Manhattan right now. Yeah. <laughs> they played on Saturday night and their next game is on Monday. I, it depends on how fast the storm moves. Yeah. Um, typically the NHL's rule is. You know, if the players are there and the officials are there, you play the game. You know, if you have no fans, you have no fans. You deal with it because moving the games around is going to be enough of a challenge to begin with. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if they're going to be able to fly out of New York on Monday night to play Tuesday night in Pittsburgh um, against New Jersey. So I'm hoping they get the game off. And more importantly, they're able Pittsburgh is able to come back and play New Jersey. It's okay if they have to fly back at four in the morning, yeah. Dan, you know, that's okay that's, with me. I'm cool yeah, with yeah, that. Fine. <laughs> you know, the de devils, you know, they're, they're probably traveling right now to Buffalo. I'm sorry, from Buffalo to Pittsburgh. Um, since there's no reason to hang out in Buffalo any longer than you really need right. to. Um, so, you know, run away with the win. So we'll see if the devils can catch Pittsburgh in a state of disarray and potential tiredness on Tuesday night. And, maybe get some more points and keep things going because mm -hmm. if they can keep getting points, and keep things going and they were able to do this for a couple more weeks throughout, we're going to be in March and we're going to start saying, huh, this team may be able to do something more than just hang out. Yeah. And so let's keep the positive momentum rolling. It's way more fun to record when they're winning games and staying in games than uh, the misery that was the last couple of years. So we're very hopeful that they can keep it up and that they can keep showing the league that uh, there's a little more to these devils and these young players coming up than was anticipated. So that's been our time for this episode. Uh, we'll obviously have updates as the situation changes with the quarantine players um, and any devils news uh, or, you know, updates happen to come about but thanks for listening and we'll be back at the end of the week to talk about the pittsburgh games have a good rest of your day everybody go devils